All right, so like I said, we're going to dig into Galatians tonight. And uh, most theologians will tell you that the book of Galatians is most likely Paul's first letter written. Uh, That's pretty interesting. And so he, like with other churches, was addressing some challenges uh, that the churches faced there in Galatia. That's a good way to put it. Uh, yeah, challenges. challenges. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to say problems. Yeah, we never want to say problems. Weird. So anyway, it's challenges. He's going to address challenges. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of these challenges because so many times the challenges that we read about in the Bible, we go, oh, well, that was thousands of years ago and that was over there in another land. But, but many of the challenges that the early churches faced are still the challenges that we're facing today. And what we'll find out, just like we have so far in, in, in Corinth, in the first letter of Corinthians, it's the same thing in Galatians. Some of those challenges are external, right? They're outside the walls of the church, but some of them are internal. Um, as a matter of fact, a lot of these are going to be internal. <laughs> so, um, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at these challenges. We're going to look at some of the conflict, right, that came about because of these challenges. And, and I'll, I believe that what will happen is, if we, if we look at this saying, okay, what is God saying to the church of Galatia, but not just that, what is God saying to start Baptist church? What I believe will happen is, is we'll, we'll understand uh, better our place today as Christ followers in the world. Who, who are we? Whose are we? Why are we? Uh, what are we supposed to be doing in this world? So tonight uh, we're going to share a lot of information. Uh, a lot of this is going to be background, what I like to call background information. Um, and in order to, to dig in and, and do that properly, I want to start with just a few questions, okay? Just a few questions. For example, number one, uh, Jew or Gentile? Are we Jews or are we Gentiles? I would look around and say, I'd look around and say most of us in this room are probably Gentiles, right? Um, but I will tell you, there are Jews all around us, all around us. I, I, I see some almost every day uh, in my activities here and there. Um, so uh, what is law? Right? What is law? What, what does that mean? When I say the law, what does that mean? Obviously, most of us, we think of the Torah. We think of you know, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Moses, the law of Moses. Uh, another question, uh, and we're going to see this question yeah. predominantly. This is, this is going to be one <laughs> this, of the big things. This is one of the big questions in this book of the Bible. Do Gentiles need to convert to Judaism? Right? Well, that's our answer, but... Woo, that was a that hot was a big, topic. That was a big, big hot topic, topic back in the day. Um, and it kind of goes with the next question. Absolutely. It kind of ties in it, what we're going to be looking at. That's right. Place. So the next question is, if the law is in our Bible, what do we do with it? What, what do we do with the law? Uh, do we still follow it? Um, and are we following it? Why aren't we following it? If, if, I mean, are we? Are we not? If we're not, why not? If we are... Why? What, what is the law? What, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? What does it mean to the church uh, according to the Bible? So, so these are just a few of the questions, right? Just a few of the questions that we need to think about as we kind of dig in and we listen uh, to what God says to us. Um, so we're going to talk about the place, right? Uh, when, when I say Galatians, what does that mean? Um, the, the land of Galatia was really uh, what, what is called by theologians uh, a backwater territory of the Roman Empire. Uh, remember, Rome was predominant in this land. Um, they had a lot of roads that passed through it, even though it was kind of off you know, to the side or, or backwater territory. There were some major roads. People crossed through these, 
uh, lands a lot. And uh, when this letter was actually penned, this was the area that we would call Asia. That, that's, that's what it is. Um, Asia Minor, that's right. And so uh, modern-day Turkey. Okay, So if you wanted to look at a map, you'll find that our modern-day Turkey, a lot of these places, that's where this is. Um, it was a remote place back then, and a lot of these places even today, if you go look at maps and pictures, a lot of it is still remote areas. Uh, they're kind of just off to the side, away from uh, large lands. Um, and that is one of the reasons many Jews went there, right? It's kind of backwater territory, so they kind of tried to distance themselves from who? Rome, right? So a lot of the Jews migrated to this place that is known as Galatia because of that. Um, so who was this letter addressed to? Obviously, uh, the churches in Galatia. That's why it's called Galatians. Uh, as a matter of fact, I want you to look at it with me. Uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. So he is writing this letter to the churches throughout the land of Galatia. Uh, Verses 3 through 5. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Isn't it pretty cool that in his introduction he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ? Like he don't, he's going he's gonna to say, I'm writing this to you and it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Like he, he just gets to that right off the bat. Um, now, when it says to the churches in Galatia, what, what, what jumps out right off the bat when it says to the churches in Galatia? Is it one church? No, it's multiple churches, right? Uh, this letter was written to multiple churches and this letter was to be shared between the churches. And so uh, if this church over here was reading it, it was to be shared with this church over here and this church over here and this church down here. So this letter was written to all of those churches. Uh, in fact... This is the only letter that Paul writes that isn't addressed to a specific church or person or place, right? The the book of Galatians is really to multiple churches in uh, the land. Uh, Now, luckily, we have a really good idea uh, of where these letters are going based on Paul's travels, uh, his first missionary journeys in the book of Acts. And as a matter of fact, we're going to be referring to Acts a lot in this study uh, because Paul... He says a lot about the churches in Galatia in the book of Acts as well. So we're going to be talking about that. Um, It's a good bet that these churches were most likely located in the major cities. You're going to notice some of these names, okay? Uh, Some of these churches were located in Derbe, um, Lystra, Iconium, and then Pisidian Antioch. Uh, And we will notice as we continue through Galatians that both Jews and Gentiles will be addressed. Paul is speaking to the churches, whoever makes up the church. He's not just speaking to the Jews. He's not just speaking to the Gentiles. He is speaking to both Jew and Gentile. He's speaking to Christ followers. That's what he's doing. And so when we're looking at Acts, we'll see that Paul, um, he experienced a great bit of success. But also with that success, guess what came with it? Persecution. 
Yeah. He, he, he saw a lot of successes, but he also, uh, he also withstood many attacks, much persecution. Um, and so Paul and his team, right, the, the guys that he served with, that, that God called him to serve with, uh, they set up uh, what we would like to call an evangelism system. They, they were evangelizing uh, the world as we know it. Uh, they were the first to go to a Jewish synagogue. They were the first ones to go to a Jewish synagogue, uh, and they preached to the Jews first, and then they took that message to the Gentiles. Um, so if you keep, keep looking at it, in Acts chapter 13, I want you to jump real quick, if you don't mind. So go backwards, all right? Go backwards in your Bible to the book of Acts, and I, I want to show you um, some persecution that begins with missionaries being driven out. Uh, right, He saw success, but he also saw persecution. If you look at Acts chapter 13, right after he shared the gospel, look what happens beginning in verse 42. It says, As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismayed, many of the Jew- Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, look at this. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with what? Jealousy. Oh, is that a good thing? Never. (laughs) Jealousy is never a good thing. Nothing good comes out of jealousy. It says, when the Jews saw the crowds... They were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. So so Paul's not saying this is what we decided. He's saying, this is what the Lord has commanded us. Look at it. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city, they stirred up persecution. Let's go back to this. Why did they stir up persecution? Because they were jealous. Jealousy, right? It just leads into something more dangerous. It says they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet. By the way, who told them to do that? Yeah, Jesus did. We've learned that in the Gospels. It says, so they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. That is the land of Galatia. That's one of the cities, right? And it says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So they just got persecuted, right? They just got attacked. Yet, look at that. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. What an awesome passage of Scripture. And, and we see this happen to them over and over yeah. again. It happens over and over again. In fact, the, um, next, the next verse, I think it says, the same thing happened in Iconium. That's right. And it's, it's, it's interesting because that's the thing, is they went to the Jews first, 
And typically the Jews were actually very receptive of the message. Yep. I mean, if you go back and read right before verse 42, read those previous passage, this, they were in a synagogue. They were talking to the Jews. Yeah. And they're like, man, we, we like this. We like this Jesus message. We like this, what we're hearing. But it wasn't until the, all the Gentiles started showed coming. up yeah, yeah. that they started having a problem with it. That's right. And so that's a very interesting, and it's something that we're going to see kind of as we go throughout this, uh, throughout this study is what this problem is. And that's what I want to talk about next is talk a little bit about the problem. Uh, we've, we've talked about the place where we're you know, talking about, the area, the churches there. Um, but let's look at the problem. And I want to point out that if you think about it, um, Paul, he would go through the, these towns, you know, kind of build up a following. And then particularly the pa- place of Galatia, he didn't really get a whole lot of time to spend with them. Uh, now, if you keep reading in Acts, you'll see that he, he goes through and then he kind of makes a U-turn. and He goes back to kind of strengthen the believers that did, you know, believe in Jesus. But he still didn't get a whole lot of time with them. He didn't get a whole lot to, uh, you know, a lot of time to help develop them, really make strong disciples. Mm-hmm. And so this could be a reason why this letter is written yep. and, and why he's really uh, kind of hammering in on these ideas and these thoughts. Uh, but we're going to look in this. We're going to look at uh, back to Galatians. So if you want to turn back, um, you know, we'll be doing this a lot in this study. We'll be looking at Acts because you see... Um, you see some of the things that are addressed in in Galatians. Some of the same things happen in That's Acts, right. Right. and so we'll be kind of looking at them side by side. So it's it's uh, it's going to be pretty pretty interesting, especially I think in the next uh, lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in Galatians uh, chapter one, verse starting in verse six, going through twelve, it says, "I am astonished." So Paul is, is talking to these believers. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different, what? A A different different gospel. gospel. Interesting. That's dangerous. Which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, now I say again, If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Mm. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Mm. Paul's fired up. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. We, we just went from like grace and peace to you, <laughs> right, to a, what is wrong with you people? Like what is, what is, what is happening? He buttered them up and then yeah, slapped is, them with Yeah, them. right off the bat. He's like, oh, hey, guys, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And that's yeah. right. Yeah. He, he says they're turning to a different gospel and that some are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Mm. So there's three kind of takeaways I want to I want to talk about here. Uh, number one is is there is confusion in the church, and he's quick to point that out. And and here's the deal: it's not hard, it's not a hard you know it's not a stretch to believe this. Think about it for a moment. Today, do we have all the answers? 
And this is kind of something I want us to get into a mindset of as we go through Galatians, is really is being real careful at pointing fingers and real careful at really just um, bashing uh, someone for their beliefs and, and you know, how they, uh, how they perceive things. Because you have a, a, young, a group of young believers who can very easily be swayed. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about ourselves even today, we don't have all the answers. And so we have to be very careful when it comes to how we navigate, uh, navigate the Bible and God's Word. And remember, who, who, who is the author of confusion? That's right. Yeah, yeah. God is not the author of confusion. Uh, God is the God of truth. Satan is the author of confusion. And he knows that if he can just have you confused and live confused and breed confusion, mm-hmm. that the church will not be who God called it to be. So that's, that's a big challenge. So we know that we don't have all the answers, but let me ask you this. Do we always agree on how the scriptures should be interpreted? I think we, we there are still, like, I mean, yeah, obviously there are some that are pretty much cut and dry, right? But then there's some that you're like, I mean, yeah, it could be this way or it could be interpreted this way. Um, now put yourself in that early church mindset who did not have the New Testament. Oof. Right? Think about it. They didn't have the New Testament. I mean, this is, this is potentially the first writings. Yep. Of, of any kind from the apostles or disciples, That's right. potentially. And so all they would have had was Torah. Was Torah, yep. All they would have had was the, the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. They, may have, they may not even had a complete Old Testament. They may only had parts That's of it. Right. Um, I've read that a lot about even just the Jewish synagogues. Pretty much all of them had the Torah, but then, like, if you wanted to... You know, read Job. You'd have you to go, go over to, to this one. this yeah. synagogue, and if yeah. you wanted to, you know, read uh, Psalms or something like that, you'd go to, to this one. That's right. And so, you've got an early church that is probably predominantly Gentile now, yep. who really doesn't have a background when it comes to God. Okay, so they're very impressionable, and so there's a lot of confusion. That second uh, thing I want to talk about is the gospel is being distorted. And he's quick to point out that it is a gospel. So in my mind, they are using Jesus as a medium to teach whatever they're teaching. Yep. That, that's just what, what my mindset goes to. Um, when you talk about gospel, the word is uh, in the Greek is euangelion. And it means uh, the proclamation of a new king. Euangelion is, is not something that's actually Christian. It's actually Roman. The the Romans used it whenever a new emperor came to power, they would go forth and proclaim new king type deal. And so the disciples used that, say, hey, we've got a new king too. Paul used that. Hey, we've got a new king, a gospel, euangelion. Mm -hmm. But then you have um, false teachers. And and I'm sharing this, guys, because I'll just go give you a little background. I asked uh, Jeff if I could kind of develop this study and we could do it together. Um, because growing up, I was confused about a lot of things uh, as far as when it comes to Torah, the law, you know, different things, and we'll get into all that. But when I think of false teachers, or when you think of false teachers, what comes to mind? Anybody? What do you think? If I, if I were to ask you, what is a false teacher? What is a how false would teacher? You, how would you answer that? Anybody? Contrary to the gospel. Okay, something contrary. Contrary to the gospel. Okay, what else? Yeah. 
way to fit their agenda. Okay. Manipulation. Okay. What else? Anybody else? All right, we talked yeah. about that today is like yeah. a prosperity gospel, a, a distorted gospel. Yep. I think that's actually a pretty good example of a distorted gospel. Yep, yep. Um, what if, and this is just something to think about, because I, I like I'd like to do that. I like to think about things, and, uh, you know, that's a shocker for me, right? Um, <laughs> the youth guy. Do you think that these teachers were intentionally trying to disrupt the church? Say that again? Some of them probably. Yeah, some of them definitely had intention. Maybe. They may be. You know, I, I kind of think about the prosperity gospel. We, we tend to think uh, those people are doing, you know, kind of for themselves, right? And it's like, hey, if you give, you know, we'll, <laughs> yeah. you know, we'll, yeah, if, yeah, you, if yeah. you give, you know, give. you'll receive the blessing and so will I. Yeah, <laughs> that's, um, right, that's right. But, you know, and again, this is just potentially, what if the teachers thought that what they were teaching was right. Mm. I think I think that's a potential possibility. I don't want to say that that's what's happening. But I think real quick again we 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 are quick to to judge and quick to to throw uh cast blame and throw stones and when some people honestly don't quite understand what they're teaching. Mm. And that could be a potential case here. Again, I don't want to you know, I just want us to get kind of on that mindset of thinking outside the box because we're real quick to just go, yeah, this is it. Um, but we're dealing with Jews and Gentiles and the interaction, and the interaction between them, mm-hmm. which has never really happened before right. when it comes to, yep. to faith. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so there's going to be problems. And what's interesting, and as we look at this, and Jeff's kind of talked about it, we're going to look at conflict in the church. Sometimes that's hard to look at. Mm-hmm. But we're going to look at how it was dealt with. Yep. And we're going to look at how it was, you know, how it was handled. And so we see that, um, and, and we're going to hold, I'm going to hold some of the questions for the next lesson. But the third thing is, is Paul rebukes this teaching and the teachers. Mm-hmm. All right? So <clears throat> I'm going to ask you another question. I like to ask questions. Is it okay, or is changing the understanding of your beliefs okay? Yeah, to yeah. mature you do. Yeah, absolutely. So when we uh, when we look at our lives as Christians, you know, ten years from now, you should not be the same person. You should be different. You should be growing and maturing. Yeah, more like Christ. But we have to be very careful, very careful of like where we get our information. Yes. Very careful of of how we. You know, because it, we are quick to put our own interpretations on things. <laughs> I have been in the past year or so just really intentional about learning context behind the scriptures, yeah. and it does many times change yeah. kind of how you view things. And so it's it's really it's really interesting. Mm. So so Paul rebukes this this teaching and the teachers though. So whatever they are teaching, it's wrong. Yep. And we are going to look at what they're teaching, but we'll get to that. And I, I even mentioned, uh, you know, this weekend we had the men's retreat, and some of these guys are, are in here. Uh, as we were closing out and we were trying to make sure these guys were plugged in, we basically encouraged them to plug into a church family, a local church family. That, like that was number one. We also said plug into Bible study. Dig into God's Word yep. with other men, 
right? Sit face to face, listen, ask questions, talk. But here's what I told them. If anybody, right, teaches you anything other than Jesus Christ, don't listen to it. Don't give it your time or your attention. If it's not Jesus, if it doesn't come back to Jesus, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his glorious resurrection, he being the only way to be right with God, don't give it your time or your attention. If it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is a false gospel. And, I, that, that's, and, that's, and Paul points and that Paul out. Paul says that. He's like, if anybody preaches you to something other, other, than than, Christ, other than Christ, yep. a curse be on them. Let a curse be on them. That's, yeah, that's right. I have to say, yeah. <laughs> exactly. He learned how to rebuke because he was in that spot. So and, absolutely. and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. We're going to talk about Paul's journey next. So let's look at Paul. Let's look at the man. Yeah. Um, he, he does something very interesting this, in this next part of the passage. He, kinda, he goes on the offense by giving a history lesson. <laughs> he does. Starting here and then going on in, into chapter 2, he, he gives this history lesson and talks about uh, his journey, and he talks about even his journey with the church. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so let's, let's start digging in. We won't get into chapter 2 tonight, but uh, let's look at Paul. Here in uh, Galatians 1, chapter, th- uh, chapter 1, verses 13 through 24. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Mm. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. Listen, this is going to be some interesting stuff. (laughs) I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later I returned to Damascus. Now... This next part's really interesting to me because I always just assume when you read in Acts yep, he just that Paul, back. he went straight back to Jerusalem. But it says, Then after three years, Ooh. I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Mm. Then I went to Syria and Sicilia, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard of the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praised God because of me. Anybody, ever, anybody else know that, that he, he, he spent three years in the area of, of Damascus and Arabia? I was, I was and, and apparently, according to Paul now, apparently getting taught by Jesus himself. Apparently, because he says in the beginning, he says, I was not given to this by any man. else that spent three years with Jesus? The disciples. 
I, now again, this is all just fascinating Isn't to me cool? because it's if God, if you know, this is if we're take you know Paul for his word, which I do. Yeah. He spent three years with Jesus, and what that looked like, I don't know, but learning from him just like the disciples did before his he began his missionary journeys. That's just kind of cool to think about. So let's look at some other. Uh, let's look at some things. Let's look at some takeaways uh, from this passage. Uh, one, we see a real difference in who Paul was and who he is. Yes. Um, he he starts defending himself by giving his pedigree. Mm-hmm. Paul was a student of Gamaliel, one of like the premier rabbis of his day. That's right. He was. I mean, he was climbing that ladder. He was climbing. Like it says, he was advancing in Judaism. He was extremely zealous. Yep. And when he walked into a synagogue, people wanted to hear from him. Yep. I mean, that was the case. When you were like a student of a high-ranking rabbi, if you went somewhere, they were like, oh, what do, what do you have to teach us? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. This is who Paul was. And he tells them who I, he is now. Yep. He, he is repented. He, he is a changed man. He is a new man. Hmm. And... This is a big deal. It is a huge deal, and people would have wanted to hear about that. Yeah. When you have someone that prominent to change. I mean, it would essentially be in like like this whole, uh, let's just say you got a degree from Harvard, right? All right, you, this is, that's the rabbi, you know, Gamaliel. You got a degree from Harvard, and then this community college comes around, Jesus, and he's like, hey, man, actually, you don't know anything. You need to come, <laughs> you need to, you need to come and spend some time with me, you know. Uh-huh. It's, it's so fascinating that this is who Paul is, right? He, he, he was a guy. He was like one of the guys in the Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. But he turns to Jesus, and it gives him an incredible insight, I believe, into the Jewish people and and even more incredibly into the Gentiles because he knows Scripture, all right? And, and, and it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see that he's still passionate. Did, oh, did yeah. you, do you notice that about Paul? Like, he was guy. passionate before Jesus, but he was passionate about the wrong thing, right? Jesus didn't take his passion away from him. Jesus put his passion in its right place. Yeah, he po- he pointed it in the right direction. And so that's what I love about Paul. He's still just as passionate as he was before, but his passion is right now. That's what's cool. So that's just my take. No, I mean, that's absolutely right. And we see this. We see the real repentant life change yep. in Paul. Yep. I mean, he, he, was, he was a person who persecuted the church, who was actively trying to destroy it yep. to... To now, he has changed in the way he thinks, and in, in how he uh, he exercises his authority. Yes, um, that earthly authority and the authority that God gives him. Mm-hmm. Um, something special and incredible happened on that road to Damascus. I mean, he experienced. He had a meeting. He had a literal come to Jesus meeting, <laughs> right there. Right. Um, this is this is who he is, and he he spent his time, um, you know, in the in the wilderness basically, and then he spent some time with the disciples there in Damascus, and then he goes up to to Jerusalem and he basically confers with Peter, he yep. Cephas, you know, Peter, same person, um, and he kind of gets prepared and he's like, hey guys, you know, I'm ready to take this message to the Gentiles, 
And it was interesting because if you go through Acts and you kind of read that story, you know that Peter had had an interaction with the Gentiles. Peter had just had this experience where he was going to to meet, you know, a a household of, of Gentile believers, essentially. And that was a big deal. Because the Gentiles still weren't kind of, you know, in this thing yet. But when he goes and he, and he goes in and he sees these Gentiles are speaking mm-hmm. in tongues and everything else, and mm-hmm. he's like, who can prevent these people from being baptized? Yeah. And so you have essentially the head leader of the church, who Peter would be. It would be- basically become the, the main guy. Yeah, he and James. Him, both James, and James, eventually yep. John. You see John later, right. kind of like the triumphant there, uh, become the main guy, having this his own Gentile experience. And he's like, that's awesome, Paul. That's right. Like it's it's time it's time to go, and we see that we see then Paul's love for the Lord and his love for the church, that's right. and that's a big deal. He he really could have just went off and did his own thing, mm-hmm. but he went and he conferred with some disciples. We're going to see later that he ends up going back to the disciples. And so, if you want to read ahead to, in uh, yeah. Galatians chapter two for next week, yeah. you'll see that he goes back because he wants to make sure some things are right. Yeah. And he spends a lot of time learning about Jesus and the ministry he's being called to um, before he ever goes yeah. to reach the Gentiles, before he ever goes to reach. And I say the Gentiles. I mean, he, would, he went to the Jews first. Right. I That's mean, right. he would go in these territories and these places, and the first thing he did was go to the Jews because yep. the Jews had a background in God. That's right. That's right. Like, they knew about God. And so before he ever went to speak to the Gentiles, he would go to the synagogues first. He would talk with them and tell them the message, right? Tell them the gospel. But he knew he knew he would be led to the Gentiles. He knew that. That's right. And we see. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. He was still Paul. To a lot of them, he was still Saul. To a lot of them, that's who he was. He was Saul. That's exactly, that's right. That's exactly right. Absolutely. You look, Paul was serious about love. Uh, he, he, he was, again, I keep saying we're going to look at these things, but Paul was just, he was genuine in his love um, for people even. Yeah. I mean, he, he was fiery now. Yeah. He would get on to people if he needed to get on to them. Right. He, but it come he out loved of, them enough to discipline exactly. them. Exactly. It come from a place of concern. And yes. I think that's what we that's, see here. That's right. Is concern for these churches. That's right. Some, somebody's been coming in, and we're going to look at who later, but someone's been coming in, and they're trying to distort, you know, what what good things have been going on. They're trying to distort the gospel, and uh, and Paul's going to have to address it. Yep. And, and it's coming from a place of love, though. It, it is it is out of love that he that he does this disciplining, yeah, that he does yeah. this, has this concern for them. And, and when you think about it, uh, Paul's heart in, in every way um, – and we've already learned it through the first letter to the church at Corinth, but we're gonna, we're, we already see it here. Paul's concern was that God be glorified. That's, that, was, that, was what, that was his focus, to God be the glory, to God be the praise. I mean, look at the very last verse of chapter 1, verse 24. And they praised God because of me. In other words, I wasn't trying to, to, to win fame and fortune. I wasn't trying to be applauded. I wanted God to be applauded. I wanted God to be praised. And, and, and that's, that's what we should be about, right? That's what we should be about as a church. When we dig into God's Word, it's not just so, oh, I can be a better pastor or a better husband or a better father. Those are good things. Those are good things. But my purpose is not to be a better pastor. 
My purpose is not to be a better husband or a better father. My purpose is to glorify God. And that will always be my purpose. Right? And if I'm glorifying God, guess what I'm going to be a better? I'm going to be a better pastor. (laughs) I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better daddy. If I'm glorifying God with my life, I'm going to be better in whatever I am doing. Right? Uh, Wherever I am. And, And so we should be, and this is so cool, because Jeremy brings up this word love, right? What did we say this morning? The two heaviest, or the heaviest commandment is do what? Love God. And the second is like it. It's what? Love your neighbor. We should be people who are all about loving God and loving people. That should define us. That, that should define us. Loving God, loving people. And when we come to a place of, of true heartfelt repentance in our lives, we will begin to look more and more like Jesus. Live and love more and more like Jesus. So, that's the call. Live more like Jesus. Love more like Jesus loved. That's who we want to be. And I believe that's what we're going to see all the way through. All the way through the book of Galatians. Okay, uh, We basically have just scratched the surface. Kind of gave you a lot of background information. Um, shared with you some of the challenges. And so, uh, I'm excited. Like I said, we're going to be doing this for the next few weeks. Uh, next week, Brother Jeremy and Brother Andy are going to do this, and I, I'm going to get to be a listener with you. And so uh, that's kind of cool. And then uh, maybe the next few weeks, we'll all three be up here tag-teaming it. I don't know. Uh, whatever it looks like, it'll be good because it'll be God's Word. And uh, again, we love you. We thank you for digging into God's Word with us tonight.